you know, I think a lot of the um, belief systems have made the body evil, have made the body, you know, a a sin essentially. Right. And so, um, so we are, not only are we healing our personal wounding around sexuality, if you've experienced any kind of wounding around that trauma, conditioning, things like this, but it's collective. I mean, this is deep in ourselves, I believe. And so, uh, so that's a big, you know, wave to be <laughs> living. But the current is right. Like, there's like no, from in my opinion, there's no stopping. Listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class, lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being, and not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. And on this podcast, friends, we chat all things self-care and self-discovery. And yet again, we are doing that this week. I'm super excited for you to hear from this week's guest. So isn't it funny when things kind of ripple effect in your life? I don't know if you've experienced this, but since since I chatted with our guest, Nicole Nardoni, back in June... I've been thinking so much about our conversation and it's like you hear something and then you hear it like 10 million times again. Um, Yeah, just about this dance of femininity, of sexuality in our culture and, you know, where we're heading with a little more conscious awareness. Um, It's a journey. But before I get ahead of myself, I wanted to tell you about Nicole. So in the month of July on Yoga Magic, we're focused on physical practices And a couple months ago, I put it out into the ether that I wanted to interview an awesome teacher working in Kundalini. And a friend and a fellow listener, Jen, shout out, thank you for your suggestion, highly recommended Nicole. And so I deep dove into her work, her videos, her her social media, and was just like, F yes, this is it. And I was really blown away with the confidence that she had in her own power, in in her feminine badassery that she was just able to communicate through her brand on a personal level. And it's something that I'm working really hard to cultivate, but also I want our listeners to just see what it means to be aware of your power, of your strength, your gifts as a woman. And Nicole is all of that. So she is a teacher, a healer, a witch dedicated to the liberation of humanity She teaches online, she teaches in person, leads lots of retreats, um, and sees private clients as well. And she blends ancient traditions and modern awareness in kundalini, tantra, ritual magic, and other tools to support others in their healing, their transformation, liberation, and joy. Let me just read you some of the language from her website to give you an idea of what we're talking about today. 
So working with her, you'll unleash your infinite potential for wild, epic healing pleasure. You'll fall in love with the beauty and sacredness of your body and sexuality. You'll alchemize your shadow, pain, brokenness into radiance, beauty, and love. So on this episode, we will dive into Kundalini, which was the original intention of what I wanted to chat about, but also we get into some meaty discussion about sacred sexuality and what that means, about the the marriage of the feminine and the masculine in, in society and how that's sort of shifting. So just a teeny bit of background on me. Um, I like to be vulnerable on this show because I ask my guests to be vulnerable and you know I think that's where true self-discovery happens um so I grew up in a pretty strict religious household and I'm actually really grateful for that because it it's it's what led me to my beliefs and my um interest in spirituality and a greater power now and my parents were just always very thoughtful and encouraging of faith and I I really appreciate that I want to raise my girls like that but there were some teachings, specifically in Catholicism, that that I'm still working to unlearn today. And, you know, I know I'm not alone in this. Um, a lot of it has to do with sexuality and just that repression of pleasure of sexuality as a human nature. And so, you know, if you're in that same boat, friends, let me know. Because sometimes I'm like, is it just me? I don't know. Um, but it's not just in religion where we see this repression. And I'm by no means an expert. I'm just just all of a sudden becoming very interested in this topic. It's just so layered in our society. Um, So Nicole's chat got me down a path of wanting to learn more about this topic of sacred sexuality and of our relationship with with the feminine and the balance of the masculine and feminine. So there are likely to be more guests on this topic now that I got really curious to know more. (laughs) Um, Before we get into our episode with Nicole, my request to you is to please consider leaving a rating and a review of the show. Podcasting is so much fun for me, but it's it's a good amount of work. And one way that I know it's actually making a difference is if you leave a little five-star tick on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't take long and it really goes a long way. So thank you in advance. And then lastly, friends, if you don't already know, I have a super fun freebie for any freebie for anyone that wants to sign up for my email list. Um, it's the 2020 self-care for the Zodiac Science Guide. And we all sure as hell need some personalized self-care right now. So just hop on into the show notes, click the link to get that guide and sign up. Um, and then friends, if you're going to check out more about our guest today, Nicole Nardoni, she's hosting a New Moon in Cancer online workshop um, coming up here in a few days. So if you're listening to this live, check out her um, website to learn more, to get some time with her because she's pretty magical. All right, my friends, I can't wait for this episode with teacher, healer, goddess, Nicole Nardoni. Yeah. Um, right now I'm really focused on, um, I mean, okay. What I say is that I'm, I'm deeply interested in contributing to this sort of collective awakening, like raising consciousness, just like liberation of the planet. But I like to have a lot of fun while I do it. Like, okay. really <laughs> and pleasure and like enjoyment of life. Um, so right now I'm really, I'm, I consider myself a teacher an artist um, and I guess, I guess a witch is like a, the best way I can describe it. Um, so at the moment, um, well, I'm, I'm working on some deep projects. I've got like some big, um, 
sort of uh, birthing this child, essentially is what it feels like, the sort of iter new iteration of my work. Um, um, but mostly I'm doing a lot of private sessions right now and doing some online teaching um, and then retreats, of course. I mean, right now we're in COVID time, so that's not really happening, but um, but those are kind of my three like main focuses. And I work a lot with yoga, so Kundalini mainly, um, but Tantra as well, the Tantra Hatha Yoga. And um, I do a lot of sexuality work, especially with women. Um, and then ritual, like earth-based ritual to sort Aww. of ground it all into the body, into the, into the planet. I wanted us to talk a little bit today about Kundalini because before, you know, before we started recording, Nicole and I were just sort of, you know, just chatting about Kundalini and it's something that like, I'm so interested in, but frankly don't practice very much because it's hard for me to find teachers that I resonate with, I mean, in person or even online. And I really appreciate how you bring that information to the masses, Nicole. And so you know, I, I'm, thank you for doing that, <laughs> for working in Kundalini and, and making it feel accessible. And yeah, I just, there's so much unpacked there. So will you tell the listeners about how you discovered Kundalini, the practice, and then ultimately decided to become not just a student, but a teacher? Yeah. So I, interesting, my mother was a yogi. So my mom, I grew up with like this incredible you know, family that was really uh, supportive of this kind of work. And um, so I was first exposed to yoga in that way. Uh, and then when I was in college, actually, I started taking Kundalini classes at the University of Minnesota and thought it was completely weird. Um, <laughs> like, we're in a cult. I'm not into this. But I kept going for some reason. Like, I remember I, I felt good. Like, it, it, I actually felt good in my body and my, you know, my mind, my emotional state was was like improving and so uh so i kept going and then i left it i did like a tantra train a tantra hatha training uh right out of college and then and then I had a boyfriend who wanted to do the kundalini training and i was like yeah yeah go do that that sounds great and um and i went to the first day of the training um like just for a public class or something and i was laying in shavasana at the end and they started playing the gong and I had this like incredible experience that was just like shook me to this deep level. And I felt like the power and the light, like the magic of my soul, like fully felt it in every cell and was like, okay, I need to be here. And I walked <laughs> right up right after the class. I walked up and was like, I need to sign up for teacher training. And they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so that was it. Um, yeah, that was kind of how I really got into the practice. And it's been, it's been a love affair ever since, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's clearly, I mean, a part of your path, like whether you knew it or not, it was just like that moment like, calling you out and wow, that's powerful. Yeah. That. Yeah. And definitely, you know, the initial like wariness of it, because and I think so many people can relate to that because of yeah, for a number of reasons, the all white, the turban, the, you know, there's this very sort of, I would, I would say dogmatic um, aspects to the practice at times. Um, so there's this like, oh, in, in myself, like this love hate, actually, like, mm -hmm. um, sort of, and, and some of that is, you know, rubbing away my own karma, I think, and like my own shadows, you know, my own, you know, stuff to work on. And some of it is just, um, you know, knowing what's not for me. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. Let's talk about that a little because, you know, for those listeners that aren't super familiar with Kundalini yoga, I mean, they're, you had mentioned all white, you know, the dogmatic approach to it. There's, I think there's so much um, preconceived ideas about what it is if you've never been, and some of them might be totally untrue. Um, and some of them might be com- completely true. <laughs> um, can you talk about, you know, really what Kundalini is, why it's different than other types of yoga and, kind of, you know, the, even just the little details of like, why, why do they, we wear white when practicing? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm like, I'm torn to, and like, what, and from what perspective to answer this question, because I don't necessarily feel myself as like a strict Kundalini teacher, like Kundalini mm-hmm. yoga as Tapa Yogi Bhajan. You know, there are many other forms of Kundalini yoga that have nothing to do with wearing white or tying a turban or any of that. Um, but from that perspective of like the white wearing, the turban tying, you know, um, all of that is done. You know, Kundalini yoga essentially considers itself a spiritual technology. So it gives you kind of all of these tools um, to transmute your own energy, like to sort of be your own healer, to be your own teacher, to be your own guide, you know? Uh, and so all of these things are essentially, in my understanding, recommendations. You don't mm-hmm. have to follow them all. It's like you get to, you know, we're presenting all of it. You get to sort of test it in yourself and ultimately decide well, what works for you? What makes you feel more like yourself? What makes you feel like you're home? Like you're, you know, able to do your, your, your work in the world and on the planet in this lifetime and, and what doesn't, you Mm -hmm. know, and that may change from, from time to time. So, um, you know, but like any tradition, it's like, if we give these guidelines, it's human nature because, we, we like rules, let's be honest, like, you know, we do. And so, some, you know, there, there is always the tendency in any tradition to take things to the extreme. So I think that's what you see in Kundalini a lot of times is folks taking things to the extreme. And I also do believe that that's a certain uh, step on the spiritual path is learning discipline, like learning how to set up a structure in your life that is life-giving, that, you know, allows you to commit to you know, your own healing, your own growth. So Kundalini can be really powerful for that, for creating this sort of structure. Um, But at the same time, as I think we all know, like the same structure that can liberate us eventually, we outgrow it, you know, Mm. it starts, it becomes a cage, you know? So I think, I think that can happen with Kundalini. But uh, for example, the thing, like just to answer your question a bit more directly, the things like wearing white, um, white is, um, it expands your aura, you know, it's all the colors. Um, and so no, in Kundalini, we do a lot of clearing work. Like it's a, it's a deeply, deeply healing practice. And so we're clearing a lot from the physical body, the energy bodies, the emotional, the mental. And so it's especially important for teachers to wear white when they, when they teach, because you don't want your, your students, like, you know, stuff flying at you and get stuck. Mm, Right. thing and um and what i found you know before i started teaching kundalini i did not own a single piece of white clothing it is just not my thing i'm like a running in the woods like getting dirty kind of person so white was just like not an option um so it's interesting what happens when you do wear all white there is a certain you there's 
you have to be very aware of your surroundings. Like there's a certain gracefulness that you have to sort of embody to wear all white. It's interesting. Um, so, and it also, you know, it does many other things in the yogic tradition. It, it does amplify the neutral mind, the meditative mind, the turban tying, you know, there's a specific way that you sort of tie your hair up that like brings the kundalini up the spine and then the turban sort of adjusts the bones of the cranium so it kind of gives you actually like a chiropractic adjustment so there's you know it's all there's all these very like specific like science you know essentially scientific or tech you know yogic technology you know reasoning behind them so it's it's an interesting tradition in that way mm-hmm. so at the end of the day it's a yoga practice with with a spiritual element that, you know, some can resonate. I mean, some people can resonate with one part of it and also leave the rest, right? I mean, like you can, would you agree that there is, you can just like any yoga practice, right? Like you can kind of find what works for you and, and maybe leave what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think like anything else, I think we are in in a, in a time where um, where we get to do that, where, you know, the teacher is within, and that is one of the main sort of aspects of, um, of Kundalini yoga is that the guru is within like the, the Artunan mantra and use a lot of mantra in the practice. And so, um, this is, this is really orienting us to that. So I, before, again, before we started recording, I was just kind of telling Nicole that like, I admittedly don't, don't practice a lot of Kundalini. And I, part of it is because I want to, you know, I have very few teachers that I found that I really like love, but also it's, I think I'm a little bit afraid of it in a way that like, it's so in my mind, so powerful. Like the idea of awakening the spiritual energy, moving it up through your body, you know, working with the, the physical body, the spiritual body. Um, and there is, I remember in my 200 hour, my vinyasa 200 hour, they were talking about Kundalini and saying, you know, just like, it's an amazing practice, but like you can go awry, like you can have a spiritual awakening and not have good, good. I don't even know. Like you can, you can have some side effects. Is that a real thing? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, um, yes, it is. I would say, And so one thing I want to preface this with is that a lot of the information, you know, we are, the world changes, conscious, you know, human beings shift, right? We're we're in a totally different sort of place, um, consciousness wise as a collective that we were when a lot of these yoga practices were created. Um, And so that has to be taken into account. It's like the bodies of, of, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, maybe weren't ready for a Kundalini awakening. Um, and, but I do fully, I do believe that our bodies are um, not only ready, but like it's actually necessary to survive these times, not, not even survive, but thrive, like fully thrive. I think it is, it is becoming more necessary to learn how to, how to move the energy and how to, in your own body. Um, now to, yeah, I do think it can go awry. So to speak to that, like, it is such a potent force and there are so many like if you, I mean, google and youtube there's just countless ways to like awaken your kundalini and i think the, the problem does lie when the nervous system and the glands of the body aren't balanced mm. so it's like if your capacity isn't there to sort of hold it's like an, it's like it's kind of like electricity you know you're you're bringing this incredible current through your body 
And, you know, if the, I am no electrician, but, you know, if, the, <laughs> if you're not, if, I mean, if your nervous system can't hold it, you know, you're going to have all kinds of effects um, that happen. Now, I find that that, um, in the people that I've seen that happen to, it's happened more spontaneously, or they've really sought out practices specifically to awaken their kundalini that, that aren't, you know, holistic, that, that don't contain, you know, balancing of the nervous system. So, um, but in my opinion, it is, you know, it's a matter of, um, yeah, training the nervous. And one of my teachers, and actually an herbalist that I, that I adore, Matthew Woods, he's, he says, you know, there's two ways to awaken kundalini. There's the snake and the turtle. And he always says, I recommend the turtle. <laughs> so, like, and it's just like a slow, you know, I personally am by nature more of a snake person with some turtle tendencies or aiming to be more of a turtle. Um, but I think that's beautiful. It's like, if we try to do it quickly, we're going to miss some steps. Like, but the turtle allows us to build brick by brick, um, which in the end is more sustainable. You know, if we really allow this practice to um, happen little by little, we get to enjoy each, each moment, you know, each new sort of unfolding of ourselves, which is, which is the goal of spiritual practice. It's not just some like crazy one time, like lightning bolt experience that shakes the world and we're <laughs> forever different. Like, sure, okay, we might have those. But what's more interesting to me and I think more sustainable is just like slow and steady progress, you know? Yeah, definitely. And and actually we talk about this a lot on this show, this, that restorative practices. And I mean, Kundalini is kind of a combination of all, I mean, it's not just restorative, but it's can be more, like you said, slow and steady. Those practices to me are 10 million times more beneficial, more profound than say, like, I want to get into yeah, a vinyasa class just to burn calories. That's, that's a different ball game. Yeah. So what would you suggest for a new practitioner, someone that wants to start in Kundalini, maybe even right now when we don't have a lot of access to studios, specific indoor studios, like where would we start? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think it really, with Kundalini, I do think it is important to have some kind of guide and some kind of teacher. Um, and so, and my, my recommendation always with teachers is, you know, anyone trying to choose a teacher of any kind. Um, is, is that teacher directing you back to yourself? Like, is that teacher constantly directing you back to your own wisdom, your own knowing? So, um, I mean, there's countless resources out there. I mean, I do, I am doing some online courses with, with the new moons and things where I'm doing some Kundalini. Um, and I've also got a lot of resources on, on my YouTube and on my website and things like that. So that's a resource as well. But, um, I always say start small, like with Kundalini, there's number, like each, you know, start with a meditation that's three mm -hmm. minutes you know, a breath work, something that feels good to you, something that feels like, like you've, you've sort of become, you've come more into yourself, you know, you've landed at home in, in some way that you weren't before. Um, that, that would be my recommendation. Start small, you know. There's rituals outside of just like the practice itself with Kundalini, right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What, we talk a lot about the morning, kind of the magic of the morning on this show, because I, I mean, I just think it's a special time. And um, what are some practices, some Kundalini practices that maybe you practice or that you know of during that magical morning time? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, so in, in yoga, we call it the Amrit Vela. 
Um, and it's like this, it's this time, it's actually the hour of the lung in Chinese medicine, which relates to prana, you know, there's more prana in the, in the world. And so we can, it's like our practices hold more um, potency, like our karmas get sort of um, more ripe, like they're really ready to like, you know, be released and things like this, our patterns, our habits, our mental habits and things like um so it's like that can be really really potent but yeah in kundalini the the practice is cold showers is, is one thing and do body brushing which is an, an ayurvedic practice and then you know cold so there's a, it's um there's a whole i mean you can google it the whole process there's you got to wear these shorts because you don't want to get your thighs cold because you can in the shower it. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just like not let the water hit your thighs. I mean, that's an option too. My favorite thing as of late is actually I, um, and I don't do this every day. I sort of work with sort of a cyclical thing for myself. Um, like I, I fill up a bucket of water and leave it outside um, and just let it get to the temperature of the air overnight. And then in the morning I'll dump it on myself, not on my head, but on the rest of my body. Um, and so that's really, really beautiful because that can really, you know, move the blood in and out of your organs. Um, and then there's a there's specific, you know, with Kundalini, there's morning sadhana. Um, and so these specific um, mantras that you chant in these particular postures and these ways that sort of adjust you to like the cosmic energy, essentially, and sort of align you with, with yourself. So it's a, it's a beautiful time to practice if you can get out of bed. <laughs> if you can get out of bed, right? We have nothing else to worry about now. Like, <laughs> I do love a good cold shower. I've been talking about it a lot lately because it's like, who knew that taking, you know, a couple of minutes of freezing cold water would be that effective? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Potent. Yeah. yeah. So you're also an expert in in sacred sexuality and I am like yes, so excited to go down this path and and it's an area that I don't maybe tell me if you feel like this is true that like we really want to talk about as women mm-hmm. but we just don't. I mean maybe we feel like we we aren't supposed to but like like we're breaking the rules but it's would you say that's true? Yeah, I mean, I, I see that a lot. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's a number of, there's so many reasons for that. I mean, uh, it's, it can be shameful, we get shy. And I think there's so much information, um, especially towards women about what our sexuality should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it, you know, it, 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 yeah, there's just so many shoulds when it comes to sexuality, like from the media and from all, you know, all kinds of sources. And so, um, it, and even in sacred sexuality, it's like, well, that sounds nice, but oh my God, am I going to find out my, my sexuality isn't sacred? You know, it's just like this other measuring stick, I think that comes up among many other things, but yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, and the, the other piece to that, there's so many pieces, but one that I'll speak to is that there's such a connection between like the yoni, the, the vagina, yoni is like the Sanskrit word for vagina, the sexual organ. There's a connection between that and the throat and the voice. Mm. And so, you know, if there is any kind of conditioning or patterning, which we all have because we live in this culture, you know, if that sexual organ starts to shut down or feel shy, so will the throat and the voice. And so it is really difficult to just to speak about it. And that's part of part of the work. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Like, yeah. I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah, it's super interesting. Actually, if you look, like if you cut open actually the throat and look at the throat and like what the throat actually looks like, it looks like a yoni. It's a yoni. 
I agree with that. Like you, your larynx. So like, okay, that's totally true. Weird. I love yeah. that. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. So what, I mean, what is sacred sexuality over, I don't know, regular sexuality? <laughs> well, see, I think all sexuality is sacred. I personally believe in that all, everything is sacred. It's sort of like a non-dual and very tantric in my beliefs. And so tantra would say all of sex is sacred, you know, okay. it's not like, oh, you do, you have to do sex in this way and then it'll be sacred. It's like, no, I, you're, you are, you know, your body's a temple. Therefore anything you do with the body is a temple and is sacred innately. You can't escape it, you know? Um, now my, the, 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 my view of it and the, the approach that I take is, is in bringing consciousness to it, like bringing awareness to your sexuality. And so okay. understanding, you know, what, um, what is there? Like I, I, a lot of my work involves moving into the shadow and the wounding and the healing that, that we want to take place. And um, it comes down to integration. Like what, um, what have I, you know, yeah, what are the what are the pieces that I sort of disown? Where, where are the shadows and how can I integrate them? How can I bring them into my life um, more fully? And then also, how can I tap into this power of my own sexuality? Because, you know, this is very linked to kundalini. You know, sexual energy, kundalini energy is really, really, really similar, if not the same thing. And so it, it, it is a, a source of power. It's a source of creativity. Um, it's a source of healing. It is like the greatest source of healing we have in our bodies. And so I think um, when it comes to my work and sort of, as I mentioned at the beginning, the sort of raising consciousness, I find sexuality as this like jet fuel. Like if we really want to do some good work, like in our own healing and our own transformation and in like transformation of the world, we have to tap into this source. Um, and so uh, the sacred sexuality can take so many forms. I mean, it can be personal healing, you know, of trauma and conditioning. It can be, well, I just want to have better orgasms. Like I want pleasure, you know, and that is holy, you know, um, it can be, I want to channel my sexual energy for spiritual liberation. I want to channel my sexual energy for manifestation. I want to create something in this world. Um, and so sacred sexuality comes down to consciousness and choice. You know, what is this energy? What do I want to do with it? Mm. Um, that's, yeah. Why do we all, have, so many of us have such hangups in, that, in this space? I mean, are we just conditioned? Like, is this the world that we live in that like, we need to do this work? Yeah, I think so. So this, so this is, okay. You want my honest, I'm going to give you my I do. Honest. I really do. <laughs> so, this is what I believe, is my belief, is that thousands of years ago, we shifted to this more masculine version of, of spirituality, which involves um, sort of the, me the mental aspect, sort of intellectual, and it's very, we want to ascend, you know, we want to ascend into the cosmos, we want to ascend into light, we want to ascend into, you know, heaven, basically, right, mm -hmm. we see this in the, in the um, spiritual traditions that are popular right now, and have been for a few thousands years thousands of years and now we are turning we have moved back into the feminine and the feminine is the body the feminine you know this the feminine way to liberation is is into the body it's all the way down and you know the yin energy is down and it's in you know it's what you're talking about too with the restorative practices the slowing down like that's all deeply feminine um, and so, you know, to make that split into the masculine, right, we have to 
You know, I think a lot of the um, belief systems have made the body evil, have made the body, you know, a, a, a sin essentially, right? And so, um, so we're, we are, not only are we healing our personal wounding around sexuality, if you've experienced any kind of wounding around that trauma, conditioning, things like this, but it's collective. I mean, this is deep in ourselves, I believe. And so, uh, so that's a big, you know, wave to be <laughs> living, but the current is right. Like there's like, no, from, in my opinion, there's no stopping it. Like it's happening whether we want to or not. So that's exciting. You're not the first person that I've heard say that. I mean, even, even when this is a funny story, it's sort of a tangent, but when I was, I have two little girls. And when I was pregnant with, um, the first, a, t- a student of mine was like, can I t- touch your belly? And I don't normally like love it when random teacher people touch my belly, but I she, I'm like, yeah. sure. Like I trusted this person. <laughs> Anyways, she's like, just so you know, like there's so much feminine energy that's being called in right now. Like the world needs what you have. And I didn't even know I was having a girl at this point. Like you, are bringing such gifts into the world. And I remember, I remember just being like, whoa, that's amazing. And I just, it comes back at me all, so often that like, this is a, a, I don't want to say uprising, but like a resurgence of feminine energy that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The world has been out of balance, you know, and nature wants to find a balance. That's just what it does, you know? Mm-hmm. eventually we'll find one and you know and we see that in just you know these structures I mean right now is like the perfect time to see this it's like all oh, these structures are falling we're finding that this way of life that we've been living with complete disregard for the feminine feminine being like the earth the wild places and you've got these viruses you know that have sprung forth because we're out of balance with the feminine um, and so eventually we're going to have to get pulled back. And the, and the feminine is also about like the collective, you know, it's no longer this hierarchical structure. It's this acknowledgement that each of us, you know, and this is the Kundalini. I mean, the Kundalini of the earth and the Kundalini is a Kundalini of the earth as well. And that is also rising. And, you know, when the tide rises, it lifts all boats. And so it's happening in each of us. So, uh, it's, a, it's a it's an exciting time to be alive. What do you think that we do to? I mean, does do we change the way we're behaving right now? Do we just sit and watch? Like, do we listen to our intuition about what the next steps are? Mm. Mm, yeah. So, uh, so my feeling is, I th- see, it always comes back to the body again. The feminine is the body and it's earth. And so any practices that orient us back to the wisdom of our own bodies is a beautiful thing. And everyone is so different in what works for them. You know, some people like my dad, for example, is a runner. He, he just, you know, and that's how he gets into his body. You know, I, I like the, I like to roll around in the dirt and like, you know, do earthy kind of rituals and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, um, and, and Kundalini, of course, so I think it does. It comes back to like, get any practice that gets you in your body, that gets you processing, um, you know, the, the, the sensations in your body and connecting them to emotions. I also feel that emotion is a big part of this. Um, a lot of our spiritual practices have sort of um, been about controlling emotion, which is an incredibly masculine, you know, approach, which is, there's a place for that, of course. Um, 
however, I think the body and emotions have such a link. So it's anything that allows you to process that in a really healthy, really safe way. Um, anything that gets us connected to the earth. But yeah, I do think that, you know, we, it, it is a time for listening to our own intuition because that energy is rising through each of us. And it's no longer about one tradition, you know, following one tradition, you know, by the book, it's about, okay, what's the tradition that is unique to me? What's the religion of me that's like pouring through me right now? And how can I align more deeply and fully with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the misconception around, you know, speaking to femininity is that this is only related to women. And yes, the, you know, the listeners of this show are mostly women, but this isn't, I mean, if anything, men tapping into their, their divine feminine, their, their sacred femininity is going to be just so impactful. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's so funny. I get so I have a lot of men that come to my classes. And it's a very unique, you know, kind of man that's going to come to one of my classes. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I see that so clearly, we cannot do it without the men and in yoga. I mean, you have masculine and feminine. And I think that, you know, collectively, we're starting to realize that the gender is such a is fluid, you know? And so we, we, yeah, each of us has this sort of balance of each of those in us. And right, like I said, it's rising in all of us and men, you know, men embracing their feminine, but also like holding that polarity of the masculine mm. and women also still holding their masculine and allowing the feminine to stand side by side with it. It's like that, to me, that's exciting. That is exciting. Mm. Will you speak to what the yoni egg is? Because I <laughs> did have that question come up from a listener. And like, I, I'm generally, I don't know. I, like, I now know that the yoni is the vagina, but wait, what is that amazing tool? Yeah. So the yoni egg is essentially this, um, this tool from the Taoist, uh, Taoist tradition. Um, and it's part of the Chinese, but so a lot of like the early, early Chinese medicine, like traditional Chinese medicine texts mention the jade egg, uh, jade egg, yoni, yoni egg. And, um, it's essentially a part of, of Chinese medicine of Qigong of, you know, all those traditions, which is essentially where yoga came from, um, uh, yoga that we, that we know of it as now um so it's really like a stone egg a little like stone usually jade is the traditional you know there's all kinds of new yoni eggs out there now different stones but um and you it it, you know you use it inside of your yoni and essentially it's a it's a yoga it's like a yoga practice Mm -hmm. you know um it's an incredibly rich tradition full of a lot of energy work practices, movements, meditations, um, acupressure, you know, and, and what it is, is a tool to integrate your sexuality. So really connect to your own sexuality, your own unique sexuality, um, which, you know, the Taoists are really interested in using sexual energy for healing. Like, if anything, the Taoists know about healing, like healing the physical body and using sexual energy for that. So it's really a tool for, for sexual healing um, and also liberation. So, you know, that we talked about and manifestation and things like this, but what I have found is it's really a beautiful tool for women, especially in the West who, who aren't so disconnected from their bodies um, and from their sexuality. It's a tool for self-love, mm-hmm. you know, this tool for like this deep kind of self-love that moves so far past the intellectual 
I mean, and sexuality is the root of us, right? This is like the deepest of the deep we can go. I mean, this is where we begin, you know? So bringing awareness and love into that space is like, like mind blowing, <laughs> not only mind blowing, it's just yeah, everything I think. So, um, so yeah, there's just, there's countless practices with the Yoni egg that we could, that we could dive into. Thank you. I was yeah. truly curious and I knew you were the person to ask. And yeah, it's a that. passion of mine for sure. Yeah. Well, I just, I think like overall these, the, I've been wanting to ask someone these questions for so long and I feel like you've just made it so accessible and, and I don't feel intimidated by like what you put out into the world. And so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. That means a lot to me. How can yeah. listeners find you? How can they practice with you, work with you? That's all your goodness. Yeah. So um, the best way to keep in touch with what I'm doing right now is through my newsletter. So I send out like monthly or so newsletters with just through a lot of writing and working on, the, on the, this new project, as I mentioned, with this book and things like this. So I do a lot of writing um, about my, you know, what I'm discovering um, on all these topics. And then I do a new moon class. I'm doing new moon classes every uh, every month uh, that combine ritual. They always have some sort of element of ritual, which I find grounds some of this energy. Um, and then an embodiment practice. So sometimes it's Tantra, sometimes it's Kundalini, you know, it really varies um, depending on what's happening astrologically. So that's a way. So newsletter, new moon classes, uh, social media is always great. Facebook, Instagram, website. Um, in the future, when the world opens back up, I'll be doing more retreats. So I've got, uh, I've been leading a retreat in Costa Rica for a number of years. I had one in Italy scheduled for the fall, but I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, bummer. There will be more retreats um, worldwide in the, in the years to come. Will you do any online retreats, do you think? Oh, yes. Online. There will be a lot of online things um, in okay. the future. Right now, it's just the new moon stuff, but that is in the plans for sure. Okay. Just in case we're here for a while, you know. Might be the case, huh? Who knows? It'll, we'll come out of this, especially if we start tapping into our own feminine a little bit more. <laughs> Don't you yeah. like? We'll be fine. Awesome. Thank you, Nicole. This was so enlightening. I appreciate your time. Mm, thank you so, so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I appreciate it so much. If you want to learn more about Nicole, check out her out at www.nicolenardoni.com. She has another event coming up here in just a few days um, in celebration of the new moon in Cancer. Again, if you have the opportunity to leave a review and a rating, it means such a big difference. And maybe share this episode with a friend if you think it can help them out. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Thursday.